good morning. Again, good to see you all. I'm sure all of you showed up just because I'm preaching this morning, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, at the Christian Church of Ephesus Park, we're here to be disciples that build generational, transformational disciples. And uh, last week, Aaron preached on this uh, Exodus 14. Um, and he talked about the story of the Israelites, and as they, um, the Israelites uh, were fleeing Egypt, they were caught in a bind, right? They, went to the, they were fleeing to the Red Sea, they were surrounded by this water, all the water, and they were surrounded by the Egyptians coming from their, their back, and the sea was to their front, and they didn't know what to do. Uh, but we land, la- uh, learned through this, through this story on how to handle crisis, and sometimes we find ourselves in a really difficult situation in life, right? Uh, difficult situations are, are hard to make sense of, and uh, that's really what we go into, and we're going to go into today uh, Matthew 14, and we're going to see how the disciples made sense of, or, or um, maybe couldn't make sense of, a difficult situation that they were in, and, um, and so we're going to do that in just a few moments, um, but before we do, we're going to get into our memory verse, as we do every week, and so our memory verse here is Nahum 1-7, we went over this last week. And if you don't remember it, it says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. And we're going to say this together a few times this morning. So let's say it aloud together. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Very good. Let's say it again. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Very good. We're going to say it again. See if you can do it. Sorry. <laughs> Tricked you. See if you can do it without letters. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Isn't that a good verse? And uh, we're going to learn more about what that verse means in our talk today. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 14, so if you would turn there, if you have a Bible today, um, if you would turn there. If you don't have a Bible today, uh, there are some Bibles in the Welcome Center. You can grab those, or um, also, it'll also be on the screen. If you're here online with us today, um, it'll be right here on the screen, <laughs> so <laughs> you'll be able to see it. Um, but we're going to go into Matthew 14, and uh, most of you probably know uh, a lot of these stories that happen in Matthew 14. Uh, we see the Jesus feeding of the 5,000. However, sometimes we miss kind of um, the rest of the day. So we see Jesus feeding the 5,000, but we don't realize that there's actually more to the day, th- to the day than that. Um, before, um, let me show you where, actually, before I get into it, where the feeding of the 5,000 was. So if you look up on the map here, that little X, it says it's probably really close to Bethsaida, probably southeast of Bethsaida is where the um, feeding of the th- 5,000 occurred, right next to the Sea of Galilee. Um, and so, um, you know, we see that before this feeding of the 5,000 happened, uh, Jesus was giving some, some really bad news. Um, John the Baptist was beheaded, was killed, um, and his, his disciples found out. And so the, his disciples um, heard the news, they came to Jesus, they told him about John the Baptist. And then it says that Jesus decided that he needed to withdraw. And so he wanted to withdrew, withdraw privately to a solitary place. However, the crowds that were with him, there were uh, these huge crowds that were with him that day, they, they decided to try to find Jesus. They knew that he, he had uh, withdrew. And so they followed him, and they, and, um, they uh, f- 
found him again. And instead of Jesus trying to, um, um, instead of him, you know, trying to get away again and, and him shooing kind of the crowds away, uh, Jesus d- decided to have compassion on these crowds. And it says in verse 14 that he had, he had compassion for them and he healed uh, the sick and was with them until evening. Um, the disciples uh, wanted to turn the crowds away after that. So the, um, he was with them all evening. So you think of that, with them till the evening. And um, at that point, it was dinner time. And everyone was probably getting hungry. And the disciples were like, why don't we just let them go into town and get some food? And if you don't know, back in the day, they didn't have anything like McDonald's or fast food or anything like that. So it would be awful hard to get food um, that late notice. And uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, and, and these crowds could have gone hungry for a day, right? Like, we cannot eat for a day and be fine. We'll be hungry. We just, uh, or for an evening, really. Uh, but we'll be fine. And, um, but Jesus had compassion on them again. And he decided to tell his disciples, he said, go out and find some food, whatever you can find, and we'll feed this crowd. And the disciples have been like, they had to be, be like, what in the world? Like, seriously? There's probably over 5,000 people. So it says there are 5,000 people here, which probably meant there's 5,000 men, which may have meant there's 5,000 families, which is kind of just hard to wrap your mind around. Um, and so the disciples obeyed. They're like, okay, we'll go, find, we'll go find some food. And so they found five loaves of bread and two small fish, or two fish, so basically a couple fish sandwiches. And... They gave them to Jesus, and Jesus multiplied them and fed over 5,000 people. And this is where we pick up today in Matthew 14, 22, and 23. We're going to read this uh, here. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Jesus was exhausted. He, so the, the, the disciples got, got, um, go to the boat. Uh, Jesus takes a break. And after learning of the death of John the Baptist, after learning the death of one of his friends, the guy who baptized him, um, he finally finds some time alone to pray. And I imagine Jesus here just being like totally spent. And, and we see like, here we see the humanity of Christ, right? Um, he's done all of these miraculous things. We see the divinity of Christ in is uh, that he, you know, he healed the sick. He, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. We see, we'll see the divinity of Christ in a minute when he, oh, well, I won't spoil it for you, uh, but he does something really cool in a minute. But right now, he needs to get away. Um, he needs to, to get away, spend time with his heavenly father, and grieve for his friends. Um, we see that Jesus telling, uh, Jesus telling the disciples uh, to leave. We, we see him telling him, them to leave and get on the boat. And I'm sure with relief, like these disciples are finally getting away from the crowds. Like they're trying to shoo him away all stinking day. And they finally get away from him. And they're getting in the boat. And I don't know if this is like a 12-man rowboat. I don't know if it's like a six-man rowboat. But, so I don't know if they like tur- took turns rowing or whatever. But they got in the boat and uh, maybe some of them were so tired they just, you know, fainted and and fell asleep, but, um, but I know that they were probably just um, really happy to get away from the crowds and exhausted, and so um, we see that um, 
they were exhausted, but they were also probably pretty excited because the fact that they saw Jesus doing all of these miracles, the fact that Jesus was teaching to so many people all day, just speaking in the hearts of people. And so um, we see that all things, these, these things are going great, right? Things are going great. They finally get away until verse 24, where it says, And the boat was already considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind, because of the wind against it. And so um, real quick, we're going to look at this map again. So this is where kind of where they start, that little X right there. And then they start making their way across the Sea of Galilee. It says across the Sea of Galilee, and you think of like, oh yeah, so they're going to like Tiberias or something. But that would be like a crazy long distance. So they're going to Capernaum, and I imagine, which is still very, very um, tedious to, to go to, I imagine they're probably in a rowboat, some smaller boat. And um, as they're about, probably about halfway through, maybe, the winds just start coming at them, and they're not going anywhere. And, um, you know, they're just basically losing this battle. And these fishermen, I imagine, were probably, like, actually a little scared. Like, they're, they're used to, they, they used to, uh, they are used to, to fishing this lake, so they've gone out on the lake many times. And, and the few fishermen that are there are probably, um, probably the least scared of everyone, but they're probably pretty scared because they're, uh, they, they're not going anywhere. They're already exhausted. And the wind is just is um, coming straight at them, maybe even drifting them out to the sea. And, um, you know, I think of, of um, that song that we sang, Call Me Out Upon the Water. I'm going to get into why we uh, call, it, call me out upon the water later in the story. But call me out upon the water. Um, and I decided, so there's two different versions of that song. There's a really slow, like, worshipful version of that song, which the other one's worshipful, but, and then there's this really fast, like, intense version, you call me out upon the water, and I imagine that's what the disciples were feeling right now, that's why I decided to do that this week, Um, they were a little scared, Um, but you got to think about it, Um, you know, they, not only were they scared, Jesus told them to get out on the boat, and Jesus was not there, he went away by himself, um, have you ever had a time where you feel like you've been faithful, but feel God's absence? Feel God isn't with you? I imagine that's probably how the disciples felt. But again, who told them to get out on the boat? Well, Jesus did, right? And, and the disciples, whether they knew it or not, they were actually in the exact spot Jesus wanted them to be. Uh, we've got to understand that obeying God doesn't always equal smooth sailing. Sometimes being faithful even leads to crisis. Uh, That doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Well, we read in verse 25, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. So um, it says, as they... um, shortly before dawn, which means the disciples were probably on the boat for about, uh, from about 5 to 8 p.m. maybe, to about 3 to 6 a.m., which means they struggled on the water for about 7 to 13 hours. So the question is, why? Why did God let them struggle for that long? Um, well, first of all, the answer to that question is, why did God struggle for, uh, let them struggle for that long? Well, God's timing is not predictable. 
We know that. God's timing is not predictable. Why would Jesus do strange things? Why, why would he walk out on the water? Why wouldn't he get another boat? Or why wouldn't he meet them in Capernaum and just calm the, the seas so they could get across? Why would he walk out on the water? Well, we also see that God's solutions are not predictable. His timing isn't predictable, and his solutions aren't predictable. And as we get into verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Last week, Aaron talked about, I just said that earlier, he, just ta- he talked about um, don't fear and stand firm. That was our first two lifesavers. And we read that story of the Israelites fleeing from Egypt and being surrounded by the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And God used one man, right, one man, Moses, who had enough faith and enough trust in God. And he used that guy to, 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 um, to um, use him to help the Israelites escape and part of the Red Sea, and not only uh, used him to, to, uh, to help them escape, but completely destroyed the Egyptian army in the, in the process. And so we see that fear and panic through all of these stories in the Bible, see that fear and panic limits our thinking. Uh, we must remember God loves, uh, God's love for us and his amazing power. Our God is not limited to our thinking. He's not limited to what you and I can do. He's God. He can do anything he wants to. And so we go into verse 29, 28 and 29. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I tell, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Peter transferred um, this security of the expected, which was, like, which was the boat, to the anticipated, which was God's love and, and power um, that he had. And, and he put his trust, Peter put his trust in God rather than man-made things or people. He didn't put his trust in the disciples. He didn't put his trust in the boat that he was on because the boat was still, it, was, it wasn't sinking, right? It was still above the water. And uh, the human mind, when you get out of a boat, normally you sink like a rock, right? But, but Peter had faith in Jesus that he was going to save him. He would rather be close to Jesus in the middle of a storm than on a man-made object that can float. And, uh, but notice, he didn't just, like, jump out of the boat, right? He didn't just jump out of the boat and start swimming to Jesus or just imagine he could walk on the water. Um, he waited for God's invitation. He asked God, if it's you, call me out. If it's you, call me out upon the water. And then Jesus said, um, come. And he came. So he didn't test God. Peter, Peter put his feet to faith and experienced God's miracle when God asked him to come. So in, in Matthew 14, 30, it says, When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So we here, see here that, that uh, uh, faithful starts don't always guarantee fruitful finishes, Right? <laughs> Faith is often an an all-in proposition. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank like a rock, like we talked about. Um, When he called for help in 31, it says, immediately Jesus reached out to his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? It says immediately. 
So what changed from earlier, like seven hours before or something like that? Why, would, why didn't Jesus immediately show up there? Why did Jesus immediately show up for Peter and not there? Uh, well, Jesus, I would say, would always, always catches us when we truly need him. He's always there when we truly need him. And then you think about, like, why the harsh rebuke? Why did Jesus say, uh, why do you doubt, Peter? Um, you know, Peter was the only disciple. He was the only person who got out of the boat. All of the other disciples are probably cow- cowering in fear on the boat, still thinking he's a ghost. And uh, they're in the middle of this storm, right? Peter was the only one who had enough faith to get out of the boat and call to Jesus. But you know what? There's no trophies. God doesn't give out trophies for, for lukewarm or double-minded people. Jesus, um, Jesus rebuked Peter because Peter had a double mind. He, at, free, at first he thought he was all in. He thought, man, if this is Jesus, then call me out. I'm coming. Until he realized that the waters and the wind was raging around him. And he tarted, started taking his eyes off Jesus and started looking at that. And, and he really wasn't all in. He really wasn't. He, he wanted to be, but he wasn't. Next verse. When they climbed into the boat, Jesus and Peter, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. God ended the storm the second it was no longer needed. This is, there's always, there's always purpose in the storms that we go through. And God will end those storms the second it's no longer needed. We don't know, we don't know the time or the day that those storms are no longer needed. All we know is that God has purpose in them. And it's really hard to see that in the midst of the storm. Uh, Almost impossible sometimes. But God has a purpose. Last week we learned about two lifesavers. Um, since we're in our lifesaver series, it's, all, it's only fitting to name our points lifesavers. Um, the first lifesaver is, is don't be afraid. Just as the Israelites were, were down in the, in the, at the uh, sea of, um, Red Sea, um, um, they were not to be afraid. And the second one is to stand firm. The third one this week that we're going to hit through this story is expect God, expect God, but don't try to predict him. Because first of all, God is holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, unpredictable. Holy, unpredictable. His timing, his power, his methods are unpredictable. We never know what our God is going to do. Um, but in the same way, he's absolutely dependable. Um, his love, his power, his promises never change. And God, not only that, he's at work in you. And even he's at work for you. Uh, even in crisis. Um, it says that, that God works for good those who love and trust in him. God will end the storm the moment it's no longer needed. And um, it's hard to see that in the midst of it, um, but God has an ending. 
And lifesaver number four, our second lifesaver for today, keep your eyes on Jesus. See, it's so easy to focus on fear and doubt in crisis. Um, Especially when we, sorry, focusing on crisis makes us focus on fear and doubt, if that makes sense. So like just as Peter focused on the crisis around him, he focused on the wind and the waves around him, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And if you think about today, so this is very, it relates very well to today, right? Because we're, so we've had, what, coronavirus, um, we've had fires raging around us, um, um, we've had many, many things, many have people have already been evacuated around us, you know, um, there's so many things that we can, we can fear, and we can look at the crisis and fear those things, especially when we put our trust in the world, um, like the disciples did, they put their trust in the boat, um, there's, it's so easy to fear, uh, and to doubt, and, um, we also, we also know this, another thing from Peter's, um, uh, encounter with Jesus on the boat, or out of the boat, I guess, that you can't be, um, half in, and you can't be half out. You gotta be all in. And, and Peter realized that he wasn't all in, right? As he was sinking, I think he probably realized that, God, save me. I'm not all in. I need you. Um, you can't be half in and half out. God wants you to keep your eyes on him, even through the difficulties. And then thirdly, God is allowing the storm for your good. He's allowing it for your good, even if it's hard to see. Trust and obey and experience the miracle. Trust and obey and experience the miracle. Just as Peter trusted and obeyed and stepped out of the boat, even though he wasn't perfect, he still experienced the miracle of God. Romans 10, 9 uh, says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And if you're a believer in Christ, these lifesavers that we've given you today may give you hope that God's got this. He has got this. But you may be asking, like, what if I'm not with Jesus? What if I'm not with Jesus? Well, here's the good news. Just as we said yesterday, or last week, you can be. You can be with Jesus. Um, and it doesn't take much takes our trust and our faith in him and, and uh, what really does faith mean well okay so faith means this uh, to step out in faith it, it just means to believe that Jesus died for you Jesus died for your sins to confess publicly that he is your Lord and Savior and repent of your sins but you know our faith walk doesn't end there it doesn't end with with uh, with with our uh, repentance our, our um, confession or our belief in Christ. That, uh, you know, Jesus also calls us to step out in, in baptism and, and identify with him in his death and resurrection. Uh, that we are no longer slaves to fear, or slaves to sin. That we have, um, that we have a new life in Christ. But it doesn't only end there. Just as baptism doesn't only save you or belief doesn't only save you or repentance doesn't only save you, we have a duty as Christians to continue in our salvation and our faith and continue to be disciples that grow deep in Jesus, that grow deep in our faith. And it doesn't only end there. 
doesn't only end there. The Great Commission says that we are to, to be disciples that build disciples. That's why we say that every single day, that we are to be disciples that build transformational, generational, transformational disciples, that, that we, are, we make a change in this world for good, for God, that we build his kingdom. And so that we're, we go out and we share the good news. We share God's love with other people, and we help them to grow up in their faith and to um, just like a baby grows up and doesn't always eat milk for the rest of their life, uh, we get to grow up in our faith and, and, and transfer from eating milk to eating meat. And, and, um, and God will use us in awesome ways. Just how, look how he uses the disciples. Those 12 doubters, right? Just constant doubters. He used them to change the world. And um, that's why we're here today, right? Because of them. Because of their faith and their obedience in Christ. So, when life gets tough, when the wind and waters rage, um, and they're raging in your life, we trust that Jesus is our lifesaver. Yeah, it may be sound cheesy, <laughs> but Jesus is our lifesaver. He's there um, for us in every circumstance. Don't panic. Stand firm. Expect God, but don't try to predict him. And keep your eyes on Jesus. All right. That went a little faster than I practiced it. So we're going to pray. <laughs> we're going to pray. Yeah. I'm sure all of you guys are part of that. All right. Let's pray. God, my prayer this morning, Father, is that instead of deciding to put our, our trust in this world, Lord, we would instead decide to put our eyes on you the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, that even when we feel surrounded and, and we don't feel that you are there, we would know that you have the best interest at heart. God, you care deeply for each and every one of us. And just like Peter, we all fail. It's hard to keep our eyes fixed on you when this world wants to rip them away. God, when, uh, Lord, there's so much in this world that we can look to and, and be fearful of. But God, I pray that you would help us stand firm. We worship you. May our lives center around you, even through the storms. God, give us faith in you that is unshakable and unmovable. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would grab that connection card. Turn to the back. We have a few things that you can commit to this week. If you're online with us, you can find that connection card on our website, funchurch.com, and fill those things out this morning uh, as well. But we have uh, four commitments that you can commit to this week. The first one is to memorize Nahum 1 7, um, to put that in your heart and continue to memorize that. Take that little green scripture card, rip it off the connection card, and keep that with you let, um, somewhere you know you're going to see it this week. Um, and then secondly, read Matthew 14. Kind of get the rest of the story, right? Story before and um, the context behind. And, and read that story. Just chock full of ways that our God loves us so much and cares for us. Um, he talks about how he heals, healed the sick and, and how he cared deeply for those even who were hungry, who could have gone a day without food. But he loved them so much to, 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 um, to get them food after his his uh, long day of teaching and following him. And, and then thirdly, expect God. We know that God's going to show up. If you're going through something right now, expect him. He's going to be there for you. Know that you can't predict him. 
You can't predict what he's going to do or when he's going to do it, but expect him and trust in him. And then fourthly, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be like Peter. Um, We all mess up like Peter. But keep your eyes on Jesus. And know that when you're ready, uh, if you take your eyes off and you're ready to put them back on, he's right there to lift you out of the water.